On this episode, we discuss Legends of Oz, colon, Dorothy's Return, colon, The Quickening. Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey there. I'm Stuart Wellington. <laughs> Wait, start over. No. Hi, okay, I'm Ellie Kalen. I'm Stuart Wellington. Stuart, were you coming on to the listener and then you hey. thought better of it? Uh, you're like, no, I'm just kidding. Unless <laughs> you're <laughs> into it, in which case I'm totally not kidding. It's but. like I got close and she turned around and she's a zombie. Uh, and I'm like, no thanks, ma'am. Not into it. <laughs> but you're still going to introduce yourself. <laughs> yeah, and I'm still going to call her ma'am. You're, you're polite. <laughs> you're not rude, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're just not interested in that. Like, but, you know, why are you saying it like that's weird? I don't know. I mean, like, part of me is like that's prejudiced. Part of me is like, yeah, you don't want to like ask a zombie out for a date. I mean, unless they're into it. Like, it's a joke. Yeah. But unless they're into it, yeah. okay, we should totally go so out with those zombies and, you know, ha- as a joke. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's time for a little bit of housekeeping up front, guys. Uh-huh. Uh, Flop so, if you send a letter in uh, responding to Radio Zork, uh, we haven't gotten to them yet. Maybe by the end of the in. hour, a we'll figure it out. Do not know whether you want to open the door or you don't want to uh, open uh, the door. We're just at. If you're using the key on the lock, that's true. Or yeah, yeah. not, or do or do you choose to wait for another visitor to arrive? Or you might choose to just lick the lock. Yeah, maybe, we don't know. Maybe you should <laughs> try maybe, to rust it. Maybe you just want to stare at that door for a while. Maybe you just really like doors. Yeah, maybe you're into doors. Like maybe doors goes like, fishing. Maybe this is <laughs> like a Bridges of Madison County situation, and you're just going around photographing scenic old doors. People do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. people do that. We don't know. What if you're a door mouse, <laughs> a mouse who loves doors? <laughs> For sex. <laughs> Wait, is that what they are? You read Alice in Wonderland, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so we watched the sequel to Alice no, in Wonderland on. tonight. We did not Back at up. all do that. First off. Christoph, first off, Waltz. <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast. I know that you know this already. <laughs> if you've downloaded it. Not if it. someone has tied you up and blindfolded you and you're just hearing this, you might think we're in the room with you. But we're not. It depends on how good don't, their sound system don't is. Don't panic. There's only one person in the room with you. You're kidnapper. <laughs> if in which they're case, there, you should panic. They might have turned the podcast on to entertain you while they went to the store. <laughs> to confuse you. To get more lotion to put in the basket. You know, now, pop, pop your thumb out of its, out of its socket. Okay. And start wiggling your hand out of your restraints. Yeah. yeah. Okay, now grab that box cutter you have jammed into your ankle. <laughs> we'll, we'll continue with more tips on how to escape your kidnapper as the podcast goes on. Yeah. But for now, we just want to explain, this is a podcast where we watch bad movies. Are there movies. any clearly marked exits? Because those are the doors you're going to want to take. This is not a bit. No. I know you're asking yourself that because you've heard this podcast before. <laughs> but then they'd know it was a podcast. Uh. Yeah, it's all well, they thought the part. earlier episodes were podcasts, and this might be a live taping that they're, they're, they, they're they arrived at somehow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> point is, it's like something where you're kidnapped and they put you in front of a live audience because the kidnapper gets off on the thrill of having their kidnappee in front of like a bunch yeah, of one people of those, who like, can possibly save them. I see, like, um, like um, Dario Argento's opera. Oh, I thought you were talking about that Diane Lane movie that we watched. Uncatchable or whatever it was Uncatchable, called. Uncatchable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's your... a good name for a parody movie. Uncatchable. <laughs> That's the villain of Catch That Kid. <laughs> Those fears.coms. Maybe? It was untraceable, I think. Yeah, right? all right. 
So uncatchable. <laughs> the bad. There's a bad guy. The baddest guy in all the world. And the bad he's, news about him is he's uncatchable. He's been categorized as uncatchable. Interpol has called him uncatchable. Dun, 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 dun. My name's Mick Gorin. I'm the leader of the Catchables, a secret international police squad tasked with catching the worst criminals of all. The code name Uncatchable. Have we caught that kid? Yes, we have. Your mission, if you choose to catch it the common cold <laughs> i mean that's not that hard no it's really easy to catch uh starting out easy that's a tr- that's like a training thing yeah, Start yeah exactly out starting easy. out easy <laughs> boost your confidence in catching things and then later on you catch the uncatchable yeah you gotta start with it's like a starter parkour you start with small jumps just little jumps <laughs> but like just hopping yeah you like hop onto a rock you hop on one foot yeah you don't want to do while. big jumps right away <laughs> Your legs will be ripped off or something. <laughs> You're jumping into a shark's mouth. <laughs> starter parkour. It's classic parkour. I like starter parkour. I like is, when, is when the James Bond movies are really running out of names for characters. <laughs> I think uh, he is your partner. <laughs> starter parkour. There's a there's a YouTube series out there about like introducing people to parkour, and oh, it's really? like the first couple steps are you know like little jumps. <laughs> See, I thought that you were like, I was just imagining that there was like a starter parkour set. And you buy like it from Amazon, and it's just, and it's just what, like shoes? a like just like a fire hydrant. It's just a step. Yeah, <laughs> yep. it's a Nerf fire hydrant. <laughs> You're not going to get a lot of give on that fire hydrant. Yeah. It's, it's a map hard. of I don't know, like Paris or something. It's what it is. It's a collection of family yeah. circus comic strips where little Billy is running around town because he invented Jeffy. parkour. It was yeah. Jeffy who did that. I don't give a God shit. Damn it, Elliot. <laughs> All our credibility is out the window now. They're all the same kid. I know it was not me. They're all the same kid, and I'm not so sure it was Jeffy. I think both of them took around the bout circuitous routes. Billy's the the oldest one. I know he takes over the comic strip sometimes. Jeffy's the one who runs around. Who's the the mute kid? kid. Who's the girl? And the girl is... Um, Girl fussy. Circus. Oh, Together man. there, the catchables. In order to catch this criminal, we're going to need an uncatchable kid. Mm-hmm. Get us little Jeffy or Billy or whoever the sure. shit it is. Anyway, so that's I mean, started- very catchable because you just follow that little dotted line around. But he invented yep. parkour. He's jumping over yep. branches, he's underneath we'll, dog we'll houses. call Slylock Fox out of retirement. <laughs> But he thought he and Max Mouse. No, he no, said he, he died. Yeah, he's, that's why, that's why he retired. Yeah. yeah, because he couldn't solve the murder of Max Mouse. When he found been tormenting him ever since. When he found Max Mouse's <laughs> empty skin hanging on a coat hook at his house. Untold stories of the comic book <laughs> comics page. <laughs> oh, Slylock Fox. <laughs> what? Oh, Wily Weasel or whatever your fucking name is. Will you ever win? Yeah, I mean, Slylock Fox was at the height too because he had just solved the case of Mister Lockhorn murdering Mrs. Lockhorn. Sure, <laughs> really but what is pretty Rose easy? Long time wasn't coming. Rose. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he solved the mystery of what makes Fred Bassett funny. Turns out it's nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> um, and when he caught Marmaduke running that prostitute ring. Sure. So, point is, we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. That's Why what this podcast. Why would you Marmaduke? <laughs> <laughs> That's Marmaduke pleading for his life. Yeah. <laughs> and Slowlock Fox just She's shoots like, him. you can talk? <laughs> All this time, you could talk and you understood that we didn't want you on that chair? <laughs> This is Howard Huge all over again. <laughs> Howard Huge 
famous uh, famous re- recluse dog. <laughs> yeah, he's a dog with tissue boxes on his feet, collecting his urine in jars. Yeah. He would urinate on, urinate on things to show his 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 uh, dominance over that area, but he would save the urine. Yeah, he'd the save time. the carpet samples <laughs> of his the top floor penthouse of his Las Vegas hotel. Um. Anyway, so we're a podcast that watches a bad movie and then we talk about it, right? And tonight we watched. What was it called? Legends of Oz, Dorothy's Return. Dorothy's Revenge Re- of Dorothy. <laughs> Oz, it's a legend? <laughs> I think it was called... Dorothy 2, Two Shades of Blue. I think it was called Dorothy's Back. Watch out, suckas. <laughs> Legends of Oz. It was called Legends of Oz, colon, Dorothy's Return. Okay. Now, the, impl- the implication like is... Dorothy is like the villain. <laughs> yeah, Oz is, Well, maybe Dorothy came back and wanted Dorothy. to build a bunch of condos and went in places and the Tin Man had to break dance or something. Tear down all the bikini car washes in Oz. Tear them down. All pop bikini I gotta say, most of, the time, like, most of the time the bikinis get torn off pretty, pretty easily. <laughs> it's not hard to tear down one of those car washes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so now this is now, now we had a big debate over whether we should watch this because I had trouble believing it was released in movie theaters, <laughs> but apparently it was, and it's got a lot of big name stars to a yeah, whopping I, like I three wanna, million dollar opening weekend, right? Look, uh, I just, bo- total box office on Wikipedia was eighteen million dollars. I just wanted oh, to run wow. this. I just wanted to run this down for you guys. Now imagine there was a movie. Imagine there was a movie that starred Leah Michelle. Should we close our Who, eyes? now? Who's Leah Michelle? Uh, she's on Glee, but she also was a big star from Spring Awakening on Broadway. Oh, then I must have seen her in that because I saw that. Oh, so we once again have an actor in the film that I saw on oh, on, on the stage. Damn it! Now Spring Awakening, treading the boards, <laughs> tri- tripping the lights, dramatic <laughs> in a musical adaptation of a German drama. No, but imagine Sprung of Awakening. No. <laughs> imagine there was a movie with her. It had also has Dan Aykroyd. Uh, oh, a huge Grammar. star like Danny Aykroyd? <laughs> no, Dan Aykroyd. Huge stars like Jim Belushi. Let's, let's just let me James run. Belushi. But let me let me run it down. You got Dan Aykroyd. You got Kelsey Grammer, Martin Short, Hugh Dancy, Jim Belushi, Oliver Platt, Brian Patrick Stewart, Brian Brian Blessed, Blessed Bernie Bernadette Peters, Peters, Bernie Peters, Tom Kenny. You would think Martin Short. Did you mention Martin Short? I did. Because he's in it too. You think this was a wonderful magical movie? No, you would think it was a movie that had a lot of money to spend, and you'd be right, apparently. But you, but you'd say, oh, you'd say, okay, that's these, an impressive. It is an impressive cast. Like, it's a, it's at food fight levels of impressiveness. No, it's, it's there are no it's stars in heaven, so they're all in Legends of Oz. It's got, turn. This has Brian Blessed and Patrick Stewart in it. This has. Noted Shakespearean actors. Yeah, because if there's anything we know about British Shakespearean actors, <laughs> they only make good movies. Never do they take a paycheck to do some crap. Um, I will say this, though. The actors in this movie, for the most part, except for Bernie Peters, really tr- do their... I don't know why you got to call her that. <laughs> like, okay, Daddy Peets. Okay. Sure. They, uh, Bernadette Peters is the one person who does, is clearly not trying. Everybody else... Puts a surprising amount of effort into their roles. Yeah, they are really, They're really selling, selling this it. material. Martin Short has like three songs. Yeah. And he's belting it. Oliver Platt as uh, Owliver Fat. <laughs> His he's name. A, he's a fat owl. He plays a fat owl. Now, but at one point he sings was, a song in like a weird Jamaican accent. <laughs> <laughs> like of. Brian Blessed is a jawbreaker headed judge and he is easily the high point of this movie. He is selling the shit well, you're out saying of it's not patrick stewart as a talking tree has been turned into <laughs> okay. a boat telling a bird sing a song for me <laughs> that is an amazing moment that i hope that we can come back to yeah, so let's talk about what this movie is okay so uh we all are familiar with the movie the wizard of oz it is mm-hmm. in my opinion it's about a wizard in Oz. about as perfect as a 
as a family movie can be like mm-hmm. a that's just my opinion let me go out on a limb here and say the wizard of oz is a national treasure <laughs> let me go out on a limb here and say citizen kane is a pretty good movie but like you said family movie would you say citizen kane's a family movie? i'm not arguing if it's that, my family then yes sammy loved it <laughs> he <laughs> loves that monologue about the girl with the white dress oh he found it heartbreaking yeah. <laughs> He thought Joseph Cotton was not too hammy as the older version of Leland. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Wizard of Oz, let's just let's just state outright. You guys, I'm sure, love it. I personally have a great sure, deal a, of love for it. It's a beautiful movie. It's a gorgeous movie. It leaves me in tears every time. It, not even like that it's sad or even because of the movie. Just the, how kind of like flawless to me that movie is for the most part. And you're saying this movie surpassed it and in I'm every saying, way. Well, I'm saying there's a new champion of, of us. Well, you, you, you're not left unmoved because you know deep down that it required a sequel. Yeah, well, that's the thing is I'm like... <laughs> you're like, what about the return? I'm like, the one flaw of this movie is it leaves the story too open-ended. <laughs> <laughs> what if... Like, the, what's with all these movies and their trilogies? Am I right? Am I right, folks? Is this thing on? This guy knows what I'm talking about. Straight and necktie. Yeah. But so anyway, wipe down your hair. Part. I will say that I wipe don't down your hair part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, my hair part's too greasy. I gotta wipe it down. So going into this movie, gotta which, dab it with a fucking towelette. Going into this movie, which is an animated sequel to The Wizard of Oz, based on a book written by the great grandson of the author of the original Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. The uh, I going one can into only it, assume that he unearthed like a vault that had the like specs of this story and he turned him into a into a novel oh yeah 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 it was all based on the original or like he summoned up the spirit of his dad using dread necromancy and then he had his dad's dad summoned as well so he had multiple (laughs) ghosts summoning (laughs) each other generations of oz writing bounds like a russian doll of necromantic ghost ghost. summoning but it's kind of like i have to assume the baum family is kind of like the herbert family and then it was like Frank Herbert wrote Dune and then a bunch of Dune books. And then the family was like, uh, just because he died doesn't mean we got to jump off the Dune money train. The spice is life, bro. <laughs> Come on. Let's pump out some more Dune books. Or like These still suits aren't going to pay for themselves. Or like Christopher Tolkien, where it's like, I don't know what law it is that says if your dad or ancestor wrote fantasy or science fiction books, you got to keep it going. Like it gives you license. The way that like, you know, I, I have to assume that like Ernest Hemingway's kids were never like, hey, what if the sun also rose again? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what if they said good hello again to arms? What about two old men in the sea? <laughs> there's a lot of fish in that sea. <laughs> Some of them got to be bigger. There's a lot of old men out there. Like I, there's something about fantasy series that, or the uh, or it's like how uh, and, and that the idea that this continues in the bloodline, I guess, like midichlorians <laughs> or something. This fan, the same way that. The movie version of War of the World of, of the Time Trap, the Time Machine, not World. The movie version of the Time Machine that Guy Pierce was in was directed by like the grandson of H.G. Wells, as if he had because he has Wells blood in him. He can yep. he knows the story better than anyone else. Anyway, he was going back to that Wells, guys. He would he he went back. Is it so that possible to fire you, Dan, <laughs> and still have you run all the, the equipment and put the show up online? It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Anything's possible in Oz. Uh, so speaking of Oz, so this is a – it's based on a book, which is true, but it's the sequel story. So in the a land – sequel. <laughs> so after 20 minutes of credits. <laughs> there's a lot of opening credits because kids love opening credits. And didn't you say Every, that each of the songs had like an individual credit? Each song in the movie, and they're like – Five of them gets mm-hmm. an individual on-screen credit with the person who wrote that song. One of them is written by Brian Adams. 
The rest, I didn't recognize the names of the songwriters. But it's a long credit sequence. There's two directors credited. They each get their own title. That It doesn't say directed by so-and-so and so-and-so. I wonder, it says directed by this guy. That flies off screen. Directed by this guy. I wonder whether like the two or three scenes that I really actually enjoyed a lot uh, were directed by one guy. And then they're like, oh, this guy's too good. we got to fire him off this project. That's probably what happened. For the yeah. shitty stuff. That's probably, that's probably exactly. Let's bring in the shitty guy. <laughs> so it's a, it's a sequel. So you know, the Emerald City. We left it last time with Scarecrow's run in the place, as he is in some of the later Oz books. Uh, the Tin Woodsman's there. The, the Lion is there. Mm-hmm. You got Dan Aykroyd as the Scarecrow. You got Kelsey Grammer as the Tin Woodsman. You got Jim Belushi as the Lion. And let Channeling me tell you, a great John Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, none of them do the voices like, of the characters in the movie, which is the original movie, yeah. just fine. But they're still doing silly voices, except yeah. for Kelsey Grammer, who just kind of sounds like himself. Yeah, exactly. He sounds like Fraser Crane. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, or, or Hank McCoy. Oh. Or Sideshow Bob. It's the same voice every time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he sounds like his most famous role. The captain in up Paris in down Periscope, not up Periscope. I got the direction wrong. Sure. <laughs> Something that Kelsey is... Grammer notoriously never does. Yes, he's, he's he always he's, knows which way a Periscope. The whole go. time I'm lost in this, I'm like, why is Boss running around talking about how he has a heart now? You know, from the hit show Boss starring Kelsey Grammer. Yep, because you watch it blindfolded. <laughs> why is and you're why? like, who's kidnapped me? Why is, kidnapped you to watch this shitty movie? Why is one half of that Kelsey Grammer Martin Lawrence project doing the voice for this? What was that? I don't know. It was one of those. Are shows. they like TV lawyers or? I feel like it was one of those shows that like was on that. Uh, Tyler Perry's head of the family or whatever the fuck. Wait a minute. Hold on what? a second. <laughs> whatever the Wait a minute. Is Medea's head of the family reunion. It was on that same like uh, idea though. Like they were like going to just do 100 episodes of it really fast. So uh, like anger management or something. Yeah. Because well, Kelsey Grammer might have been the producer on that. Like he's produced a couple of black actor shows. Like shows that are for an, a, an African-American audience. Yeah. Like there's that one that's called like Girlfriends or something like that that Kelsey Grammer is the executive producer on. You'd think though that like after like Cheers and Frasier, like you wouldn't have run through all that money already that he has to do like a. What are you talking I don't about? Think what runs through the money? He's, well, no, but like to do like one of those like hundred episode cash in type mean, projects. One, he was probably the producer, in which case he'd make a lot of money. And two, yeah. this is a man with some serious chemical addiction problems, <laughs> that, and he has lost a lot of money over the years. That's but true. anyway, Kelsey Grammer come, is, is barely in the movie, so I don't know why we're talking about him so much. I don't know. Apparently, we're just like, come at us, Kelsey Grammer. Come at us. Yeah, from come the on, Kelsey. Yeah, we're real scared of a guy with a name that is. Kelsey. Immediately recognizable. I'm kind of scared of that. What is he, a villain? That's Super fair. Villain? No, but anyway, he's got a lot of money. To, to anyway, we're with. literally two seconds into the movie. Sure. The, our favorite characters from the old movie are in trouble because an evil character called the Jester, who looks just like the Marvel villain, <clears throat> the Jester. Mac tonight. He looks a little bit like Mac tonight at one point when he turns into a crescent moon. And later he has later an exaggerated lipstick smile on him like the jokester, yeah, as Stuart yeah. calls him. <laughs> No, he's Played a real, by Keith Ledger. He's a, he's a real, <laughs> yeah, he's a real in the dark knot <laughs> joke. <laughs> he's a real joke store Harley Quinn combo at the end Don of the movie. Knotts impression. <laughs> <laughs> the dark knot? knots. Yeah, I'm not the villain you need. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's why would he go that? <laughs> the villain I need. Oh, oh, Harvey Jack, can we trust him? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had a little to drink tonight. The dark knots. <laughs> the dark knots. Somebody the, make that poster. <laughs> and you know it's going to be Don Knotts with, with, his, ma- with his, mouth, his mouth in a perfect circle, like, ooh. <laughs> 
<laughs> the Incredible Mr. Dark Knight. What does it say about that movie that I remember that I liked it a lot, and I can remember almost no dialogue that Batman has in the whole movie, yeah. except for Harvey Dent? Can we trust him? Which I think I'm just remembering from that Pete Holmes video. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Jester has stolen the broomstick of the Wicked Witch of the West, which I guess has some sort of eldritch, non-Euclidean power in it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he's he has the flying monkeys at his command, and he's some kind of glowing globe of powerful energy magic. So what's his deal? What's what's his jam? What's it turns out later that he is the Wicked Witch of the West's brother. Okay. And she put a curse on him that made him a jester. And he wants power now. So yeah. are they kind of like... And he like, turns people into marionettes. Are they kind of like... Are the, the witches and warlocks of Oz, are they kind of like the drow society in Forgotten Realms where the males are not allowed to... Are, they're forbidden to practice magic, Elliot? Well... You asked me a question that I have no idea how to answer. I have neither the grounding in the Oz books nor the grounding in Forgotten Realms. So I'm going to say yes, I guess. Okay, interesting, interesting. It, it does seem that Elfalba Belva or whatever her name, Elfalbador, but, you know, what's her name in Wicked? Elfalba? Elfalba? Mm-hmm. Elfalba. Some 14-year-old girl write in and Wicked? tell me what the character's name is in Wicked. Yeah, Wicked, the Ewok musical. <laughs> But uh, she, and, that she she yeah, has yeah, yeah, that she wicked story. <laughs> yub yub. But it's no, it's a it's a hit Broadway musical called Yub exclamation point. It's an Ewok yub, musical. Yub? So um, two thumbs Yub. By the way, <laughs> says the dead Siskel and Ebert. We've reached <laughs> we've reached the point in the podcast to uh, give another tip to anyone who's been kidnapped. So uh, open up the window in the bathroom of the place where you've been kidnapped. So your kidnapper thinks that you've gone out there. Pull a good deed on him. But instead, go out through the other exit. Or or hide in a closet. Here's yeah. another thing to remember. Exit through the gift shop. <laughs> That's how you can escape a museum or a captor's lair. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's how, and it gives you access to overpriced, yeah. I don't know, shirts. I mean, that's the thing. If you're, you're Mr. Brainwash, you're going to do very well. You're going to want a souvenir of the time you were kidnapped. Maybe like a like a zoo book. <laughs> <laughs> a zoo book. Yeah, subscription only magazine zoo books. Or like a Zubilee no, zoo book. No, you can get those zoo books in gift shops of zoos. May can you? Yeah, I yeah, only yeah. got it through the mail because I was a big Zoobook <laughs> subscriber as a kid. And I got to tell you, there's a problem when you subscribe for, to it for years as a kid because there's only so many issues. <laughs> so I must have gotten like old world vultures <laughs> old world <laughs> a number world. of times or like, uh, you know, alligators. <laughs> they got a thing. I do remember there was one called New World Monkeys. I think there's old world monkeys and new world monkeys. And I didn't I was too young to really know what that meant. Yeah. Uh, so which I thought it was prefer? just old monkeys. Which 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 do you prefer? I really can't old tell the world difference. Or new I world can't tell the difference between those monkeys. Let me write this down under <laughs> Elliot. <laughs> Put it in my file. Anyway, so in order, they need help because despite being a courageous lion, a robo man, and some kind of uh, pumpkin head character yeah, type figure, some kind of they can't defeat this some kind of straw construct. <laughs> some sort of yeah. Uh, some sort of Alex Max type who can super dissolve and then come back together. And he's a super <laughs> genius. Uh, they can't defeat the Jester. They need Dorothy the Witch Killer. And so we go to Kansas where a torna- the tornado from the previous movie and previous story. And they say, years have passed for us here in Oz, but it'll seem to Dorothy like it's just the next day. Yeah. So Dorothy has it's had like l- little time to deal with her adventure in Oz. Yeah. She wakes up in a... A stressful situation. Yes, to say the least. She's she, got PTSD she up the wazoo. Somebody. She <laughs> killed two people. 
Yeah. She dropped a house on one and then saw their feet curl up in like that weird thing. I mean, even and then, to this day, that creeps me out. And then you, she melted. I bet you she can't take a shower maybe ever again. Yeah, even if it was justifiable homicide, it's a hell of a thing to kill a woman. To paraphrase, yeah, Unforgiven. But, yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's keep moving. You have to steal steal its soul. Yeah. <laughs> With a Polaroid camera. <laughs> Sorry for referring to a witch as a it, but I, you know, yeah, I didn't want to genderfy so. it. I think that's fair enough. Didn't want to genderfy? Yeah, genderfy it. <laughs> you don't want to genderfy it by yeah. moving into the witch's neighborhood? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Genderfi- yeah. Genderfication is when uh, they take a neighborhood that's totally dudes and they start yeah. women start coming in and turning all the shooting galleries into, into like, what, pony Boutiques stores? or whatever. Boutiques? Yeah. Boutiques. Yep. Boutiques. <laughs> where you buy... Uh, Some kind of sticker designer staffs. <laughs> Wait a minute, boutique. So it's That's the where next... Lady Donatella shops. <laughs> yep. would, you, would you like that gift wrapped with a bow? Oh, I see what you did there. Yes, Dan, edit all of this. Okay. So it's the next day. Dorothy's house has been destroyed by a tornado. Now this is taking place in modern day. So her aunt Am looks like Anna Gasteyer as that public radio character yeah. that she does, and her uncle. Uh, What's Uncle's name? I don't know. Uncle Owen, let's say. It's Uncle Owen. (laughs) (laughs) He just looks like some guy. He's a moisture farmer. Now, the the house is wrecked, but it's not so bad. They can fix it. Dorothy's like, we can fix it. We can fix it, I swear. And they, like, give it up. They're like, fuck this. They're like, no. And an evil appraiser comes by, voiced by Martin Short, who has classic devil beard. It's even Mm -hmm. pointed at the tip, and he's got a little henchman who's measuring stuff. He says... This house is unsafe. It could be like a familiar. We have no idea. (laughs) We don't know. He's like that little monkey man that the bad guy in the goon has. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sure. That little cat guy who's always depressed all the time. He's a tiny homunculus. (laughs) Uh, So the appraiser says, this place is not safe. This property is condemned. You have to go to the emergency shelter, and I guess I'll buy buy the house from you at a bargain basement price when you go to the... The condemned building sales yeah. fair that I'm I mean, hosting in town. It's a little like, you know, like Star Wars having so much have to do about like trade agreements or whatever. Like in this fantasy world, you don't necessarily want to have to get into the idea of like understanding what these like deeds mean well, or I like would, legal. Except like, I would say that having the deed to a farm be taken by the bank, for instance, is a long-standing. Plot but that that would be a like much a simpler thing than what is shown here. Which is like, still not that difficult. The guy's clearly evil. And he's trying to steal their house. Okay. And all the adults, being grown-ups, are like, "Well, I guess we got to go along with it. Nothing we can do. We're homeless yeah. now." Uh, but Dorothy is like, "No, no, we can't listen to this." That's when a rainbow totally attacks her. Mm-hmm. She's chased by a rainbow. She tastes it. She, t- she tastes the rainbow oh, hard. Wow. She is tripping hard. <laughs> tripping the light fantastic. When she wakes up, she can't even see anymore. But uh, yeah. she, the rainbow picks her up and takes her to Oz, where she uh, is going to save the day, but she's left. She needs to get to the Emerald City. For some reason, the machine in the Emerald City that brings her there doesn't take her to the Emerald City. I think that they get interrupted in the middle of it somehow. I think that I think that the... What, does the jester pop in? Yeah, I wasn't paying a lot of attention. I think the monkeys, like, show Dan's up. Dan's eyes like, were glued to his phone. <laughs> that's true. But I think the monkey... I, I think, don't know what kind of naked pictures Dan was looking at on his phone. I think But his that, eyes were literally glued. It I certainly literally, wasn't the Legends of Oz DeviantArt page, which we just looked at. <laughs> If you want to see a lot of drawings of a of like a sexy cowgirl, yeah, Dorothy envisioned as a sexy cowgirl, sometimes with a buffalo friend, <laughs> but rarely wearing pants. Oh, never. Um, no, I yeah, I 
I will admit I was not paying attention. Some of it was I was uh, examining the Wikipedia page to see the storied history of this uh, production. But but at that point, I think that the villains came in and, and interrupted like, the rainbow interrupted ride. It, so the rainbow like deposited Dorothy where she should not have. She been. landed in a forest where she met her first new character, aside from the jester, Wiser who is an owl whose character trait is that he is extremely fat. He is super fat. He is gargantuously fat. Imagine the fattest owl you've ever seen and then quadruple it. And then add a hundred more owls yeah. to it. <laughs> sure. each, of whom, each of which is fatter than the last. Like, I have to respect this movie by showing me a much fatter owl than I ever thought I would see. <laughs> well, that's, if you, that's, that's the, the end of this movie. They say, they say, you've never seen an owl this fat. I, One of the top ten fat owl films. I'm fantasizing about taking the egg that that owl hatched from and turning it into a delicious omelet. Oh An owl omelet? <laughs> exactly. And That's so, like, like you would have to be a wimpy-style comic <laughs> character to eat that omelet. Sure, a Dagwood-style <laughs> omelet. Yeah. I'm not sure that Stuart isn't a wimpy-style comic, <laughs> comic character. So, so Wiser this is incredibly fat owl He's a very has, fat kind of... Did somebody spray paint? A, he's got like an argyle. He has like an argyle sweater pattern on the top half of his just, chest. It's just feathers. That's, is that part of his plumage? I think yeah. it's to get across the idea that he is Beautiful something plumage. of an intellectual. He's a fat nerd. He also has little pince-nez glasses, <laughs> which stay on. I mean, I guess that's even it, when they go over a waterfall. But that's just good pince-nez fitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> his nez is really pinced. His in those. <laughs> <laughs> you can't pince that nez anymore no. than it already is. Uh, they, the, uh, now, Wiser can't fly, for obvious reasons, he is hideously fat, <laughs> morbidly <laughs> obese. For fatness reasons. He tries to flap his wings, he's gonna die of a heart attack. He, he bounces can't even, very well. He can't I mean, even fly. He's like a gummy bear, bouncing like, here certainly. and there and everywhere. <laughs> even on, like, an airplane, he can't fly. <laughs> like, they're like, you're gonna have he to buy need, three seats, You're gonna sir. have to buy a cargo oh, plane. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You are one and a half Kevin Smith, sir. <laughs> yeah. We need to organize our own Operation Dumbo Drop, just for you. <laughs> so they uh, pass through first Candy Country, Where which is a place that's all candy. Crazy acid freak. The jester <laughs> says, I'm going to trick them. All the signs in Candy Country say, don't eat the candy. The jester casts the most magic of spells to change the signs to say, eat the candy. They go crazy <laughs> in the kind of acid it's, freak out I haven't seen since, I think, Roger Corman's The Trip. <laughs> yeah, subtle misdirection. Yeah, uh, and they're like kids in a candy store in a town made of candy, and they eat a lot of candy to a to a song about candy. That this the is the second sings. song in the movie, right? Yeah. yeah, the first one was the heart stopping rendition of. I don't know. Some, song it's, it's their this movie's version of Over the Rainbow, and okay. it's not very good and not very. It's memorable. about building. So the like, candy. As I said, as I said when we were watching it, there. This is their answer. To, it's it's a tough road to hoe because somewhere over the rainbow is probably. I would say the best song ever written for a movie. Like, mm-hmm. what else is better? Like, what's at that level even? Like, I don't know. Uh, uh, the, die? The, the, time I don't goes know. by, maybe. I don't the know. the Dream Warriors theme from <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three. I mean, that's but yeah, Bob maybe. Dokken. And I assume uh, um, and, uh, what, between the moon and Big New York Trouble City, and Little China. The from best the movie, Big Trouble and <laughs> Little China. I mean, that's the only real, uh, only real competitor. But uh, they have like a very bland, kind of not as yeah. good song. <laughs> Wait, hold on. How about, Harsh critique. <laughs> how about uh, Take Control from Ghostbusters 2? Oh, wait a minute. Whatever it's called. Saving the Day? No, no, no. No, oh, that's Ghostbusters 2. Guess we... 
know, take control. Too hot to handle, too cold to hold. <laughs> Call the Ghostbusters and the control. So I gotta say, I'm not surprised Ghostbusters 3, they want to get off the ground because the Ghostbusters movies were a cottage industry of originally written songs. <laughs> <laughs> Each one had like three new songs in it. Oh, man. About I Ghostbusters. <laughs> I gotta say, I kind of like Take Control more than I like uh, Ray Parker Jr. You are an idiot. <laughs> you are a madman. Hey, man. Maybe the catch, that is such a catchy song. It captures, despite knowing it's only. It's a ripoff of I Want a New Drug by Huey Lewis. It's an, a huge improvement on I Want a New Drug. I would say this. You've been told you got to write a song for a movie called Ghostbusters. What's uh-huh. it about? It's about Ghostbusters. What does that mean? The title of the movie is Ghostbusters. Write a song for it. And you write a song that perfectly <laughs> captures the feel of that movie. That you are a, a genius. That is a movie but, where old people will unironically <laughs> shout out, Bustin' makes me feel good. <laughs> but what about that's right up if there I want with, a song that's about... That's right up there with the poster for The Thing, where they said, we're going to make a remake of The Thing. What happens in it? It's called The Thing. Paint us a poster. <laughs> what if I want a song that's all about Vigo? The master of evil. Try to battle my boys. It's not legal. Whoa, way, whoa, way. I'm, wait, what if you want whoa, a song about whoa, love? Way. You're not going to get that from the Ghostbusters theme either. <laughs> I mean, that's that's not a that's not a correct well, criticism, dude. Dan. I went to see this movie, Guardians of the Galaxy. But what if I wanted a a, a movie about the effects of Alzheimer's on a family? <laughs> well, then this is not the movie to go to. But what if I wanted a Duplass Brothers style <laughs> low key comedy? Nobody goes to a movie theater I, and argues. I went that. to go see Phantom of the Paradise, but I wanted to see an animated film about a young deer that grows up. Well, that's not a fair criticism. You knew perfectly well going in that that was not the movie you were seeing. To request otherwise, to request a song about Vigo of Carpathia from a movie that does not feature that character is ridiculous on its face. Even so, sir, I, I demand going, my money back. Sir, I will give you no refund, and you are banned from this theater. All right, a free popcorn then. I know you have no negotiating pl- platform right now. A you- small coke. <laughs> <laughs> will just, I, will I, you, you should take, just give him the small coke. <laughs> will you take? Will you take this promotional lobby card for the film Pure Luck starring Martin Short and Danny Glover? If it will get you to leave, I will. No, I <laughs> it's have to the apologize. Scene where, where Martin Short is puffed up from a bee sting. <laughs> Don't show it to children; it will frighten them. <laughs> now, assistant manager Stewart, you had something you wanted to say. I was going to say uh, the the postcard is, is, <laughs> is from it's the missing edge. the U because the U, I guess, <laughs> fell out of the title "Pure Luck" and landed on somebody's head. I guess I don't know. So it says "P Ray it on, Luck" and it landed on Martin Short's head, but somehow that helped him solve the mystery. I don't know. I didn't see the movie. <laughs> As someone who saw the movie, it is, I can't answer any questions either. I know that it ends with Martin Short. Somebody told to- me it was a comedy. I, I don't know. I think they're lying. <laughs> Okay. Now, is he playing the same character in this in Captain Ron? That's what I want. Not to know. at all. Not at all. They're brothers. <laughs> wow. Twin brothers. And they're the sons of they're the Martin. They're twin sitters. They're twin sitters. And they're the sons of the Martin both, character from I mean, Three Amigos. Bodybuilders. <laughs> oh, man. Fuck the, fuck the fucking Pixar theory. I want this unified theory of Martin Short. All movies. of Martin Short. So, how do we fit Jack Frost the from Martin the Santa Short Claus 3 Earth. into this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I do know that this movie they watched tonight is part of the Martin Short verse. It is. Somebody at home needs to make the family tree of how all of Martin Short's characters are connected. How is Clifford related to Ed Grimley Jr.? How is his character from Inherent Vice? 
<laughs> related to uh, what's another Martin Short character? <laughs> His character uh, from Arrested Development. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where he's the like, he's got the, like the weird bodybuilder guy, the old yeah. bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that character. <laughs> Not one of their stronger moments. Uh, ironic, because he's a very strong character. <laughs> okay, so they eat the candy. They're arrested by, let's get guy. back to the movie. <laughs> Seems like a very sweet man. So after this trippy so dreamscape. They are arrested for eating the candy by Marshall. floating jester heads. By our next big character, Marshall Mallow, who is a. Some kind of a Some kind of a rap star? <laughs> yeah, he's Marshall. Marshall, he grew up at eight, eight, ma- <laughs> eight Mallow. <laughs> the, the bad part of Candy Detroit. <laughs> And he wins a lot of rap battles. Detreat, dude. Detreat. <laughs> now, Marshall Mallow is the by the book, Hugh Dancy voiced marshmallow yeah. uh, military policeman who arrests them with his chocolate cops that we couldn't tell if they were dogs or they had mustaches. <laughs> he takes time out from his relentless pursuit of Hannibal to <laughs> arrest these miscreants. Yep. He's like, yeah, that's, this is my design. Yep. A world of candy. <laughs> People eating the candy. Especially is catching crooks who eat things. (laughs) (laughs) Crooks. I I imagine he doesn't want them to eat it because that candy land is the elaborate serial killer like uh, plot. Like because every serial killer goes after puts on these elaborate pageant productions. This guy has made turned all his victims into candy, and that's the scene of the crime. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, I love that show, but nothing beats ridiculousness like Lan- the idea of Lance Henriksen as an old man just climbing a ladder to build a totem pole of bodies that's like twenty five feet high. No, you can't believe that this exists in a real world. It exists no, in no. a crazy in the fucking, in the crazy high opera opera it, it world of uh, the, Hannibal. Yeah, the the Thomas Harris universe, the Harris verse, <laughs> yeah. in which Hannibal. And Black Sunday both exist in the same universe. No kidding. A book I read part of. (laughs) (laughs) Now, they're brought before Judge Drawbreaker, played by Brian Blessed, a judge with a jawbreaker for a head. dare I say, I mean, he's competing with Patrick Stewart, but he might be the finest work in this movie. Yeah, sure. He really puts his all into the jawbreaker character (laughs) from the one scene he's in. Now, here's the thing I'll give this movie credit for. They had references to real-life culture, pop culture things here. In, they'd have a jury of their of their peeps, which is a jury box full of peeps. Yeah. There's the peanut galleries made of circus peanuts, and yet it kind of worked. Yeah, they didn't go too far with the references. No, this scene there I wasn't would like say a Mr. Good is Bar. the best scene in the movie. I was I was half <laughs> expecting it to be like all like knockoff Shrek jokes, and yeah. it surprisingly wasn't. Yeah, I thought if this scene was about them in Candy Country, or if this movie was about them in Candy Country. Might not have been a terrible movie. Unfortunately, yeah. they leave Candy Country pretty quick. Jawbreaker sentences them to death. Uh, <laughs> Which they, is and hilarious. That's when they ask their names. Dorothy In says, a "Children's movie." I mean, <laughs> they're going to get killed. <laughs> I mean, that's for I mean, eating candy. And it feels like it feels full like, of, it feels like the, the fat owl character is like. I guess it makes sense at this point. I've yeah. eaten so much candy. I've eaten like, so much candy. Look, I deserve it. I've escaped. Ju- it's the same way I feel the day. Finally, I can find sweet release from this fat prison I live in. <laughs> yeah. Someday, I'm going to be given a ticket for jaywalking in New York, and I'm going to be like, you know what? You got me. I've been doing this for yeah. 15 years. I was bound. It was bound to catch up with me eventually. Yeah, I cannot me fight to death. this. <laughs> sends me to death. So, so Owsley is like, hey, you know what? <laughs> I did the crime. I'm going to do the time, and the time is eternity because I'm going to be dead. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Throw me in the ground. Don't even kill me first. But yeah. when they ask their names for the death certificates, Dorothy says Dorothy Gale. And they go, oh, Dorothy the hero, the witch killer. Send them on their way. This is not the only time this happens in the movie, which makes you think, why does Dorothy not just brandish her name at everybody? She doesn't want to be like 
But it's, kind of it's like, such a, she doesn't want to be a like, celebrity no, no. who's like, it's give like me the if, nice table. But it's like I'm if Dorothy Tom Gale. Cruise wanted to get into a club and they're like, who are you? And he's like, uh, nobody, nobody. And he had a big fake mustache on. <laughs> like, just take advantage of your celebrity, dude. Yeah. Well, it's 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 like wearing on their sleeve the fact that they're playing on the strength of the original story by having Dorothy literally being like, remember that thing I did in that story you remember? That's why you should let me do whatever the fuck I want, basically. Yeah, but also there's a lot of the, there's the moment in Wizard of Oz where they're at the gates of the Emerald City, and uh, he, he goes, oh, you got the ruby slippers? Well, that's a, that's a horse of a different color. Come on in. And then uh, it, it's, it's like, okay, let's do that four times in this movie. Yeah. Where people hear that she's Dorothy and they go, oh, well, that's different. Or they say something and the, and the, gu- the guardsman who's trying to keep him out of place goes, oh, well, that's different. Come on in. It's like. Yeah, she does seem a little reluctant to play that shit. Like, where it's just like, I mean, it's just is who it be, you are, Is it because man. she, and they don't well, address comes, the fact that she clearly is upset about the fact that her she murders from murdering well, I think it's because yeah. she's from humble Kansas stock and she doesn't yeah. want to be a, a tall daffodil, you know. Yeah. Every time people bring that up, she imagines uh, a poor witch melting to death. <laughs> You're Dorothy, the witch killer. And she just was. I didn't even know what would happen. I, I, blood on my hands. Green blood on my hands. It won't come off. It won't. Clean. I can never be clean. Green jelly on my hands. Little pig, little pig, let me in. Oh, Thank you. What a terrible song that was. <laughs> I remember <laughs> buying the Casingle <laughs> when it was Green Jello. Why? Before they had to change their name, huh? Because oh I was a God. fucking kid and I had no taste. That was like <laughs> there were a few there were there were a few videos when I was young on MTV where I was just like, I need to change the channel because this video was on because this is so terrible. And one of them was uh, Green Jello. I assume you're thinking, let me turn to VH1 because maybe there's something I can masturbate to here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, MTV, like, uh, there's going to be three minutes like before. Like the I can... vinyls, I touch myself. Yeah, there you go. It's going to be three minutes before I can masturbate to anything on MTV unless that, that pig uh, is kind of hot. The wolf's doing a lot of blowing. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I just know the grind's going to be on later. That's all I know. <laughs> Wow. If I'm lucky, it's spring break or the summer, and they're doing oh, one of those boy. swimsuit grinds. You know it. Uh, <laughs> so, so Marshmallow joins them on their quest to the Emerald City <laughs> so that Marshmallow, so they, she, he can find the missing general. He has them, as you said, he has them dead to rights. Yeah, he caught them. They are guilty, and yet they get to go free because they're white, and <laughs> Marshall sure. Mallow is also white, white yeah, and yeah. it's a white it's a white law structure, you know. But anyway, he says, "Well, I have to go find General Candy Apple, my commanding officer." Turns out, Candy Apple's been kidnapped by the jester. I'll go a with you. The bit Emerald of dramatic City. irony for us because we know that he is currently turned into a weird puppet. Yeah, let's keep. Okay, we'll just continue. Let's zoom through this because we take. It <laughs> yeah, so long. we have they gone then, way long. <laughs> they go through the dainty China country where they pick up the China princess who's rejecting potential. Suitors for her hands, one of whom is played by the guy who did the voice for Invader Zim. So that was fun mm-hmm. for me because I'm a big Kenny fan. Tom Kenny was show. another. Of Tom the Kenny's another suitor. They took the great cartoon voice actors and just kind of shoved them in one scene for a moment. And there's a weird, great moment of shattered porcelain people, like faces still yeah, moving just around, still and yeah. on the ground. Yeah, where it's like, it's like a weird, like Gilliam film. Like again, another pretty good scene in the middle of the movie. Like the middle of the movie has a few good scenes. I'll tell I you why. Because they're, they're, they're going through these like crazy worlds yeah. that each have an interesting hook about them. Yeah. And then they're out of there. They go mm-hmm. fast. After the dainty China country scene, they don't do that again. They get, they're like, they build a boat 
out of a tree. Well, they build they a boat out of, out of Pat, like that's not okay. Well, let's over. They build a boat out of Patrick Stewart. They go to, to a t- they to go to the talking to tree area where Dorothy took the apples in the first Wizard of Oz, and she wants Wood to build a boat so they can go across down a river to get to the Emerald City. And the one tree volunteers, and it's one an tree old. Hill. It, <laughs> It is on a hill, I guess. <laughs> An old tree played by Patrick Stewart who's tired of sticking in one place and wants to see the world before he dies. A they giving build, tree, if you will. They build a boat out of him, which is kind of frightening because it's just got that big chocolate tree head on the front. And later, soldiers are walking out of his mouth. Like, it's... But uh, he's but charming because it's Patrick Stewart. But he's like... I mean, apparently he's still alive once they cut him down. I don't know what the other trees are worried about, but he, but he's like... I'm old. I'll tell you what they're worried about. I've, I've, you know, make a boat out of me. I want to see the world. They're all agoraphobic. Okay. And they want to stay in that little patch of ground. Yeah, all right. Now, uh, yeah, his name is Tug. Yeah, they want to have a little fucking Entmoot hanging out. <laughs> his yeah. name is Tug, and it's weird the tree is named Tug before he became a boat. That's a boat's name is Tug. He should have been called, like, yep. Branchy. <laughs> or Treebeard. <laughs> Doesn't he change every- his name to Tank or Tonk or Later something? Later on. Now, they go, they get to the Emerald City after falling over a waterfall, in the in the process, China girl gets broken. China right? girl gets shattered into pieces. <laughs> but Marshmallow Man takes some uh, some fire and melts little bits of his marshmallow body. Yep. And in the most Rainbow Three her, moment of the movie, lose her back together. <laughs> he, I mean, he, that's n- number one. That's not very good. Well, glue. he sings a song about being. <laughs> Wait, in love with have her. you ever tried it, dude? Marshmallows are sticky, dude. <laughs> Deal with. I it. mean, for a Deal s'more, with not Deal to with like. It. The reason like they're called lady, marshmallows like because marshes are sticky. They're not desert mallows. All right, fair enough. It's very sticky. Maybe it's just a temporary measure until they can find some Oz crazy glue. Yeah. But all we know is gluing her pieces back together brings her back to life. They're in love despite the obvious differences. Mm-hmm. He yep. serves the, the army. The obvious size differences. We had a lot of discussion while we were watching this uh, movie. Not a lot. We had a little bit of discussion. <laughs> about yeah, how, we, we drew a bunch of fucking yeah. diagrams. About how these characters to, might uh, indulge in the physical the act physical of love. physical act of love. <laughs> I'm just saying. I was going to say their main problem is that he's the soldier of a different nation. But. I'm saying that the main problem is he is literally six times larger than her. So More even with six. his even with his like squishy marshmallow penis, <laughs> I'm not really sure how this is this union is gonna. I don't. I mean, like, Wait, am I alone a, here I thought there was a bone in it. I mean, may they? I thought that's why they called a boner. <laughs> then maybe they're not. Maybe it's not that kind of relationship. There's not a physical dimension, mm-hmm. like Carol Channing and her yeah, husband. It's a companionate marriage. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe, maybe blows he's like, gay. I don't know. Maybe yeah. blows I mean, feathers across her tummy gay. and she fucking reaches climax, dude. I don't know. What did that happen in? Forty Days and Forty Nights, <laughs> the worst movie ever made. I don't know. Blows nothing but trouble across her tummy. Nothing but trouble is the worst movie ever made. <laughs> no, dude. Featuring this movie's Dan Aykroyd. Anyway, they uh, Dorothy. Wait, Dan Aykroyd was in that movie. Uh, he wrote it and played multiple parts. <laughs> but I remember a character with a penis for a no- nose that looked kind of like Dan a Aykroyd. Penis for annoyed. But- <laughs> <laughs> Which you have to avoid. Avoid the penis noid. He fucks pizzas. <laughs> That's how it happens. <laughs> that's what he does. Like Tony Millionaire. That's how you get more pizzas, though. <laughs> Wait a minute. Like, that's the only Tony way. Tony Millionaire was in Big Sausage Pizza? No. He, <laughs> the he sad was, thing, though, like, if you want more pizzas, the only way is to fuck more fuck pizzas and then have a little pizza babies. Yeah, they're the called pizza way. bagels. That's yep, how you make then, pizza like, bagels. Back to the Future 2? <laughs> yeah, they put they take that dehydrated pizza and they put it in the sex machine. It's the orgasmatron from Sleeper, and it comes out as a full pizza. Anyway, 
Dorothy goes to the Emerald City. She confronts the jester who, like, captures her, whatever. I don't who even cares? remember. Uh, Wiser <laughs> the Owl overcomes his fear of flying to yeah. go help her. Everybody else goes to help her. There's, there's that a- great scene that we talked about where all of a sudden there's, like, a, just a cut back to Patrick Stewart where there's a bird <laughs> on his nose and he goes, sing me a song. <laughs> <laughs> Which is it the is, best part of the movie. It sounds like, yeah, like Patrick Stewart was just kind of <laughs> speaking to himself and they decided to put it in the movie. Like he's still mic'd. <laughs> there's a scene, now the animation in this movie is not as bad as Food Fight, but there is a scene now where when Wowser, whatever, Wowser <laughs> learns to fly, <laughs> when 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 Wowsy Owl learns to fly, there's a scene where it looks like... It's pretty funny. It's a pretty funny scene. It's a pretty scene. funny scene, but also... It's so poor looking. It looks like he's in front of a bad green screen. And this is a CGI movie. There's no real elements here. That's the here. thing. Every time they shoot Dorothy with the little China woman in her knapsack or fucking uh, satchel, it just looks like bad uh, forced perspective. It looks like Elijah Wood and Ian McKellen are like 10 feet apart, but you're supposed to assume <laughs> they're like right next to each other. But, I, but I, I got like in terms of like timing, in terms of editing like a animated movie, in terms of like figuring out like visually what how to like sell a gag where he's like flying is pretty funny because you got this huge owl and then they just hold the longest <laughs> shot where he like flies <laughs> off into the distance over a waterfall and you just slowly see him get smaller and smaller and it's just a static shot and it's a choice that I feel like you know in a bad I mean, somebody movie made a choice, you, you yeah. wouldn't normally see that yeah, kind no, of Yeah no I like, mean this is there are a couple moments in this movie where you're like oh that's not terrible. Yeah. But mostly it's just kind of a bland, boring movie. So yeah. let's skip through it. They confront the jester, uh, who, as far as I'm concerned, never really feels like an Oz character. He has his magic staff with, like, a magic orb on the top. Uh, and they Dorothy's having trouble stopping him, except the jester is really his worst enemy. Dorothy and the other heroes kind of stop dealing with him for a while during the climax as the jester chases his magic orb across rooftops and down uh, like pipes and things like that. Yeah, well, they uh, deal with the problem through the violence of attacking enemies with candy. That's when Tug comes in. Tug the tree boat is now a tank, and he calls himself Tank. And he comes in with some soldiers from Candyland, and they're just shooting candy at flying monkeys, and it is relatively violent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a scene if you, where... If you consider monkeys being covered in candy. <laughs> but there's like, the scarecrow turns the Tin Man's head into a gun and is working at like an old machine gun with a crank, and... There's a part where there's just a shot of the lion blasting people with I don't know what out of a candy cane. It it gets weirdly. It's pretty shooting. great because he's like kind of turning slowly in slow motion, firing these jelly beans, I guess, indiscriminately, and then it cuts to a shot of one monkey getting hit with multiple jelly beans. And there's no way because he keeps aiming them in different directions. <laughs> there's no way they're all hitting the same monkey. Well, they're monkey seeking jelly beans. Oh, uh, there's a big tornado that the jester summons to get rid of Dorothy. And yeah, yada, he almost yada, gets yada, sucked yada, into it. They, Dorothy, a bunch bro- of soldiers march out of the tree tank's mouth. Yeah. Yep, they've Dar- just been hiding in his gut. And the tree <laughs> and the soldiers, if the if the China soldiers get broken, they're still alive and still moving. And if the chocolate soldiers, if their heads come off, they're still walking around moving. These are hideous, you know, zombie automatons mm-hmm. at this yeah, point. Yeah, they should not be. Dorothy, through the power <laughs> yep. of, I guess, being a good they're person, like, they're like golems. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're chocolate golems, which are given out <laughs> every year by Jewish parents to Jewish children on the holiday of Golemos. <laughs> or a yum golem. Yum golem is the day we celebrate how yummy golems are. How, mu- how much gelt do those cost? Uh, a lot, because you've got to melt it down to make your golem. Oh, okay. Luckily, gelt is the worst tasting chocolate in the world. Woo! So you don't, want, you don't mind melting it down. No. 
So Dorothy uses the power of her being a good person, I guess, to break the staff, and she throws it in Tornado. Uh, Jester th- jumps into the Tornado to get the staff. Yeah, he dies or something. And uh, we see no more of his wicked, hilarious ways. Uh, everybody who was a marionette, because uh, he turns people to marionettes, turned back okay. Everything's fine. Dorothy goes home. She reveals that the fake appraiser who's buying everybody's houses for a song is, in fact, an imposter. The police arrest him. And over the end yeah, credits— Yeah, he's been playing like—you uh, know, he's been playing multiple roles, multiple identities, like a Dr. Henry Holmes. <laughs> Right. Yeah, he's like a, a hilarious Dr. Henry Holmes. <laughs> he's he's like a regular uh I don't know, can't even think of it. Yeah. Guy who pretends to be other guys. Yeah, that guy. You know that guy? You know, who pretends he's a regular catch me if you can. Yeah. Anyway, so uncatchable. <laughs> what about what if the <laughs> uncatchable you. team goes after catch me if you can? <laughs> Now that's a team up. Now that's that, a, no, no, it, they not are, a team up. That's a that's a It's like a Frankenstein versus Godzilla type thing. Yeah. They're fighting each other. Wait a minute. Wait, the on. scientist fights Godzilla. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Seems pretty easy. Does he like, just create a giant steps undead monster? He out of... sews together the corpse of giants. Okay. The corpse of giants into of a, a giant bunch of Migos or whatever the fuck. He sews yeah. together the corpses Mogus? of all of the giants football team. <laughs> <laughs> to make one hideous football mass. Yeah. And Godzilla eats it and it gives him brain damage or something. That's and he, terrible. And he's horrible. Movie. Anyway, and Godzilla has to deal with a lot of debilitating health effects mm. later in life. <laughs> More sad than it is thrilling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, so Dorothy, and over the end credits, Dorothy helps them rebuild the town right. as a song plays. The end of Legends of Oz. And I guess the door is open <laughs> for them to use that rainbow machine to bring her back and yeah. have another Legends have another of Oz. rainbow connection. Yeah. Um, don't bring up that movie I like more than this movie. So, uh... <laughs> Wow, this is the somehow this is the longest we've gone. We barely talked about the movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened. Well, we talked about a bunch of stupid stuff, Dan. Yeah, that's my favorite <laughs> thing to do. But um, let's now. What do we do? Let's do final judgments. Wow, classic, classic sound effect. Haven't heard that one in a while. What? That's the house cat's brother, nerdy house cat. Was this a good bad? Excuse me, row. Uh, mm, uh, I think, think you find that row to the power of row will equal the results you would desire. Uh, yeah, the nerdy house cat who like figures out the equation that makes uh, lady house cats uh, bras fall off. Yeah. The tensile strength of that bra is not enough to withstand my, I don't know, laser beams. I like how you said lady house cats bras because a lady house cat would have multiple bras for her multiple rows of nipples. Yeah. Not not attractive Erotic. by human standards, but to a cat, but to a cat, very beautiful. The you know less just... than six breasts would seem strange. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so so final judgments. So, this is the part of the podcast where we. <laughs> make... You okay, Stuart? No. <laughs> I've never seen anyone choke to death on laughter before. And cores. <laughs> uh, where we judge the silver movie. bullet to the head. We judge this movie finally, which is to say, was this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked? I'm going to start. I'm going to say. <laughs> wow, okay. Here's the Just thing. assign yourself the majority opinion there, Chief Justice Dan. <laughs> uh, the first and last third of this movie, bad, bad movie. The middle third of this movie, I kind of liked it. I kind of like there's a kind, there's a weird sort of magic to the middle part of this movie that the rest of the movie did not sustain. 
Uh, and that's what I have to say about that. Stu, what do you have to say? Uh, I'm going to say this is a bad, bad movie with the caveat that it is not nearly as bad as I expected it to be watching no, the trailer. I'm going to go like with Stuart food, on This that. is not a food fighter in Ooyla. This well, was, I at, remember best, seeing the at trailers. best, bland and boring. I remember seeing the trailers in the theater and being like, what the fuck am I watching? Because I assumed it was like a, like a D-grade Shrek ripoff. And it was not nearly that bad. Well, and this was also like, this was like put out by like Sunshine Media or something. Some like something that sounds like a made-up shell corporation. <laughs> Summertime Entertainment. <laughs> All right, yeah. Some and kind of Kelsey also, Grammer yeah, owned you know, business. This is, just, this is just Summertime Entertainment. And it's like guys. a U.S. It was a U.S. <laughs> it was a U.S. India co-production. Like it's a it's a movie that had you would think would be like crazy bonkers bad. And it's just like, meh. And like even, I would say like the, the best I can say about it is like, as a huge Wizard of Oz fan, I never felt like this is, a, this is. You didn't think that anyone was urinating on <laughs> Frank L. Baum's grave. L. Frank Baum. L. Frank Baum, sorry. Frank L. Baum is It didn't feel like a desecration. It just kind of felt unnecessary. Sure. Uh, yeah, so it's great. So uh, we do have a couple of sponsors. Get for, the fuck out of here! For tonight's show, I no, love them. It's insane. People, uh, people want to support the flop okay, house. Cool. Let's I think hear that's about great. Them. I think that's wonderful. Let's support them. Let's support them and find out who they are and, and what products we can buy. Uh, and first, uh, the flop house is brought to you in part by uh, the kind support of Audible.com. The internet's leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. What does that include, Dan? Does that mean audio books? That means <clears throat> audio books. Does that mean podcasts? Uh, I'm not sure. It definitely means audio books. <laughs> <laughs> audio books. Well, thanks, Dan. Um, That's the audio uh, audio uh, audio look, books of choice from the Flophouse Wives Book Club. Yes, that's, that's true. true. Yeah, we are our uh, lovely wives. Have a book club, which is a thing that they do when we're being assholes in this, doing this. apartment, doing this, and they don't want to. Be around my us. wife uses Audible, yeah, for, and she really, uh, she really likes the fact that if she doesn't like a book, she can return it. There's yeah. a lot of really great things about Audible. Excellent. Well, and Audible is offering Flophouse listeners a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audiblepodcast.com/flop and get a free audiobook of your choice now. At audiblepodcast.com slash flop. Uh, but we're also sponsored this week by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform that makes building your own website simple and easy. If you need a website. And you do. Why not make it simple and easy? Yeah. Let's why? face it. You need a website. Why, why, not, why make it difficult and hard? No. I mean, those <laughs> words mean the same thing. But, uh, but with different intonations. Make it simple you and easy. You never say you're totally difficult for a girl. Yeah, sure. I don't know what that means. You but. never say you're making me so difficult. <laughs> yep. Okay. Use the other word. That seems okay. Uh, I'm not sure what Squarespace thinks of that being in the middle of the ad, but... Look, what we're saying is Square pay, Squarespace takes something that could be really hard yeah. and makes it really easy. Makes it easy. Mm-hmm. They've been a big supporter of the Flophouse podcast. They Check have been. Out. They certainly have been. Squarespace has beautiful templates, integration with Google Apps... Oh, those templates are making me difficult. ...and Getty Images... And it has responsive design, which means, you know, it doesn't matter. You sit, you're, you're looking at it on your, uh, your laptop. You're looking at it on your phone. You're looking at it on your uh, iPad. Yeah. Looks great no matter where you're looking at these websites for a free trial. You don't have to set up a whole new website for every no. medium, every device. No, you know? that would be foolish. Yeah. Use Squarespace instead. 
For a free trial and 10% off your first order, go to squarespace.com, enter the code FLOP. Squarespace, start here, go anywhere. That's F-L-O-P. My advice, go to audible.com, use the code to get a book, start up your account there, listen to it while you're setting up your website through Mm -hmm. Squarespace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, your Flophouse podcast right about fan the book page. On your yeah. new web page. There is a dearth of Flophouse fan pages. There's, of course, the Flop Wiki, which is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Flophouse the, Recommends page. But I go to the Boomist Flophouse Ring. Yeah. There's nothing there. Yeah. They, do, we even, do people even have web rings anymore? Are there even. What's a web ring? <laughs> it there, was just a bunch of linked sites and you could click between them. Is there even any deviant art about the Flophouse? <laughs> I, that is a dangerous no, door to open, and I'd rather we not go through it. <laughs> <laughs> a Flophouse fan site is one thing. We don't need more pictures of us and the house cat having sex with each other. I'm Jesse Thorne. I'm Jordan Morris. The federal government has millions of dollars in programs and opportunities that you need to seize today. You're a taxpayer, right? Well, then you've got it coming. Thanks to Uncle Sam, you can get grant programs for veterans. Postage stamps that'll ensure your mail gets there in a timely fashion. Fruit for you and your family. Child care for your children that turns them into super soldiers. Get a million dollars to open your own lake. Useful power tools that are easy on your soft, delicate hands. Your own personal radioactive brick. More sexual attention from everyone at the used bookstore. Greyhound tickets. Soft, gentle kisses from TV John Goodman. A real narwhal. Athletic socks filled with stew. A valuable pamphlet on millet. Your father's approval. Don't wait right now. For all of this and more, drop us a line. Jordan Jesse Go, 123 iTunes Street, or wherever you download podcasts. Okay, Dan, what's next? So, uh,. I have a few. Do you want to use this chance to talk about some of our other great podcasts on our Maximum Fun Network? Uh, that actually would be a good thing to do at this <laughs> point. Um, thank you to our network, Maximum Fun. Uh, Max, uh, you can go visit them at MaximumFun.org. <laughs> yep. Uh, we've got a lot of great podcasts on the same Maximum Fun Network. Such as? Jordan Jesse Go. You've got Judge John Hodgman. You've got Judge a, John Hodgman, our nemesis podcast. Yeah. Yeah, listen to it, but be mad when you listen to it. The mm-hmm. Adventure Zone. Shake your fist. My Adventure brother, my Zone. brother and yeah. me. Sawbones. Get a room, uh, my brother, my brother and me in the flop house. Uh, you got your uh, <laughs> Wham Bam Pow, your Lady to Lady. Pop Rocket, right? Yeah, a lot of great podcasts. You podcast. say Adventure Zone? I did. Oh. Bunker Buddies. Did mm-hmm. you say Bunker Buddies? Uh, no, Stuart did. I just said it. Yeah. Did you say my brother, my brother, and me? I, those were what about hey, Sawbones? Did you mention that? Get a room, my brother, my brother, and me in the flop house. <laughs> okay, but the point Literally. is, <laughs> go to MaximumFun.org, check out a lot of great shows on our network, and uh, and enjoy them. Because that's what they're for. They're for you to <laughs> yep, enjoy. For, not for, I guess, information purposes. No. No, if you want to use them for information purposes, you will be uh, sorely disappointed. Uh, a lot of them have more information than this podcast. <laughs> well, sure. Like Sawbones has information on it. Yeah, no, that's true. There's actual medical information to be had there. I mean, you probably. I mean, I fired my doctor. No, that I just listened I to would Sawbones. Not oh, wow. do that. I would not do that. I said, I don't fire. recommend that. I said, physician, heal thy fucking self, and I tossed a match at him. <laughs> wow. Shh. <laughs> 
Sure. Yeah. You walked away as he exploded. Why did he explode? I don't know. I don't know. He's just that kind of doctor. He was drinking a lot of butane. <laughs> <laughs> bad. He was a bad doctor. He was a bad doctor who thought it was good to drink butane. Uh, everyone I deal with is the bad version of themselves. Bad doctors, bad teachers, bad Santas. <laughs> sure. Bad You're, judges. You sound like, Kate Walsh. I don't know, like NBC's Saturday Night Lineup. <laughs> um. So anyway, now is the point. And you try, keep trying to order good pizza, but you keep getting bad Andy. <laughs> <laughs> what about good Domino's? What's what going on with that? What about good burger? No, no I mean, I have, that's great. I have bad burger. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's terrible. You know that show Good Times? I turn it on in Bad Times place. <laughs> you ever have the candy good and plenty? Bad and plenty. <laughs> Sounds like you've got a terrible life, Elliot. You ever heard of the movie It's a Wonderful Life? I'm It's a Terrible Life. <laughs> worried about you. You anyway. know that old British comedy group, the goodies, <laughs> the baddies. Um, you know so. your favorite movie, Dan? Good luck, Chuck. <laughs> Can you guess what Elliot's version is? No, I can't. It's called Bad Luck Chuck. It's called no. Bad Luck Chuck. It's <laughs> called Bad Luck Charlie. <laughs> Nobody wants to be his friend and call him Chuck. Yeah. So. Uh, Ironically, Bad Dad Soccer Dad. <laughs> good Dad Tennis Dad. You know your second favorite movie, The Long Kiss Good Night. <laughs> Long kiss, bad night, Dan. <laughs> That's my second favorite movie. Is the long kiss. You know, of the you night. know the Elton John song you hear the most. Bad by Yellow Brick Road. <laughs> right. Thanks, Bizarro hosts. <laughs> Neil Simon's the goodbye girl. You bet. You guessed it. The bad boy boy. <laughs> Even the bye part was changed. That's how bad it is. Bad boy bye. <laughs> <laughs> all right well um thanks <laughs> but now boris badnov we're like boris goodnov <laughs> who was a real person okay time to, time to move on there's an opera based on him to uh letters from listeners like you the person who's listening to this podcast right now if you had written this letter it could have been your letter that i'm reading right now <laughs> that's the tautest tautology i've ever felt <laughs> unless unless you are the guy or girl who wrote this letter that I'm about to read, in which case, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. Have no fear, because your letter will be read on the air tonight. Or maybe it won't. I don't know, because I don't know you. And Dan <laughs> picks the letters. I've got no idea, and I haven't seen them. But now we're going to read them, and hear them, and be them. We'll be the letters. We'll act them out on our new show, The Flophouse Letter Act Out Show. Sundays at 10 o'clock on TNT. Uh, it was TNT all- knows, car- knows drama. <laughs> that song was almost long enough for Stuart to go to the <laughs> fridge and get a Modelo. This is your third beer, fourth beer? This counts as one. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this letter goes a little something like this. I started listening to you earlier this year from episode one. I'm still only part of the way to being current. I must say, I feel like a bit of an underachiever as it's taken me months to reach le- episode 124, Stolen, starring Nicholas Cage. Hey, it took us years to get there. <laughs> While earlier letter writers have reported blowing your through your, your whole back catalog in a week or less. Nonetheless, I've been enjoying listening to the podcast fast forward itself through time, <coughs> compressed like a time lapse movie. Stuart gets married. Elliot writes for Marvel. Dan finds a job and secures his position as Pervisoid number one. And of course, while I was still traumatized by Ding Dong Gate, 
The back catalog allowed me to fly through all five stages of grief in record time. Now that I've gone too far in attempting to prove my bona fides, I would like to ask a question. I was thinking, Don't even re- do it, Stewart. <laughs> I was thinking recently about the concept of the setup. When movies go out of the their movie, way, the setup. When movies go out of their way to show you something early on, so that later when the hero uses it, it doesn't seem like it just came out of nowhere. For example, sometimes a movie has to make sure to show someone swimming, so that later the audience doesn't react in disbelief when the fittest teenager on earth is able to swim 20 feet. My question for you is this. What do you think are the examples of some really great payoffs? They could be great because of how subtle or unexpected the setup is, or perhaps because of how insane the payoff is. Uh, Anyway, thanks for the great podcast. Perhaps one day our timelines will once again be aligned. (coughs) Scott, last name withheld. I'm going to say that um, one thing that springs to mind immediately is that I feel like all of Edgar Wright's movies are... Man, I wish I could watch his movies. You know his movies I've been seeing? Edgar <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> no, but I feel like, I mean, like, I uh, all of his movies work really well as comedies because, like, the first half of them are funny on their own terms. Uh-huh. And then not on someone else's terms. No, but like, 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 it's not just not like, on Jacques Tati's terms. <laughs> it's not like you're like just like like bored. Like, okay, this is setting something up. But like, no, it's you, funny in the beginning. You find too. it as funny, and then like the second half of his movie, things is, pay off. Yeah, a series of payoffs that are so elegant, elegantly like put together that you didn't realize that they were going to be paid off, and you're yeah. like, okay, great. Like everything that happened in the first half meant something. And mm-hmm. that's like the kind of I think that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah, I mean, me too. What about you, Elliot? Well, <laughs> actually, a movie I'm going to mention is one that is a little I feel like the Coen brothers do a similarly very good job of paying things off later. They've set up. But one movie uh-huh. that I love, it might be my favorite of their movies, although it is not I would not say it's the best of their movies. But in The Man Who Wasn't There, there's a lot of offhand references to things that are paid off later and paid off later in ways that don't always make sense and don't always even move the plot forward, but are really funny. Like, uh, James Gandolfini's wife or is believes that something involving aliens took him away. And so later when Billy Bob Thornton is in jail and walks out, just looks at a flying saucer in the air, nods at it and then walks back into this <laughs> jail. Like it's totally goofy and is a non sequitur in a lot of ways, but it's a payoff to this thing. Like in, I feel like in that movie, there's a lot of loose strands that don't necessarily get tied together, but they reappear in different forms than they started, and it feels like a whole, even though plot-wise, it's not like that was a big plot payoff or anything. Yeah, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's cheating, but to kind of go along with the same lines of Edgar Wright, but I feel like Cabin in the Woods is a movie that does a lot of that, where they introduce things. I don't and I don't know if it totally fits the the parameters of the question either, but I feel like things are introduced early on that end up showing up later on that, that end up working. Oh, no, definitely. I mean, all the stuff about the merman, then that, yeah, exa- that, that comes up yeah. later. Yeah, like, it seems like a throwaway joke, but then it becomes a real thing later on. Yeah, and I think that, I think that might be the secret to doing these uh, things that pay off, is, like, it can't be obvious. Like the, Yeah, the more obvious the, pay, the setup, the less satisfying the payoff. Right. Uh, Much like, I mean, there's the old Chekhov thing about, like, if there's a if there's a gun on the on the mantle in Act One, it has to go off in Act Three. But like, if the camera 
stops on that gun for a while, you know it's going to go off. Right. So it's not a good payoff. Like it's it has to be something that is tossed off in Act One, but then in Act Three you're like, whoa, that was supposed to be this thing, which is what Edgar Wright does right. so well. I think I think that we're talking about a lot of movies that are similar tonally, uh, but. It just occurs to me that like something like Guardians of the Galaxy, like one thing that I like about like the uh, climax of that movie is it's not necessarily a setup, but like the fact that the climax of that movie hinges on like Star Lord suddenly just like dancing and singing in the context of like a big Marvel movie. That's kind of an unexpected thing that but happens, it ties into but the, it the ties character into trait character, like that in in a satisfying way or uh even uh, it could even be something as simple as like in groundhog day the like the radio starting at the same t- place each time each mm-hmm. morning so on the last day when it starts at a slightly different point in the song it is enough to tip you off that something is different and so it's like the beginning of the payoff of you know the, the conclusion of the film like there's sure. it's a it's not a same a setup in the terms of like this happened in the first act. Now this is going to happen in the third act. But it's a something that's seeded a number of times and then bears fruit multiple S- times. Similar to the best movie of all time, Big Trouble in Little China, mm, where um, um. where Jack Burton early on in the movie uses the phrase "It's all in the reflexes," and then later on totally murders Lopan. Spoiler alert! And <laughs> says the same iconic line: "All of the reflexes." Or I'd say in my candidate for best movie ever, taking of Pelham one, two, three, Martin Balsam sneezing and Walter Matthau saying "Gesundheit." And then at the end, that paying off in a hilarious, in a hilarious take, <laughs> hilarious take and catch him up. But that—that's a but it, probably no, the most hottest of takes. But at the, when it first happens, you're not like that's what's going to trip him up later. But as soon as he sneezes, when Walter Matthews is out of the room, you're like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah, you're like a you're like a Stewart sound effect. You're like, oh. <laughs> and it's and I'll tell you that movie also has a good example of a of a red herring <laughs> setup, which is they know there's a police officer on the train. And they keep undercover, and they for some reason Walter Matthau gets it in his head that it must be a police woman, and so like <laughs> they so later on it's revealed who the police officer is. It's not a woman. He's the just got officer, long hair because it's the seventies. He's almost totally ineffective, but he gets shot and he's lying face down, and Walter Matthau sees him and just goes. Don't worry, miss. We'll get an ambulance here. <laughs> and like this, this joke that's been set up way, way back. And so dumb. Like it's not a great joke, but it's, it's pretty. But it's <laughs> but it's just what you need in that moment. When you just yeah. seen Robert Shaw electrocute himself. Yeah. Spoiler yeah. alert: You mm-hmm. just had that movie ruined for you. But still, go see it. I mean, it's not ruined. It's still a great movie. Yeah, it's, it's not a, like uh, it's a nonstop thrill. It's run. not like what Michael Bay's been doing to people's childhoods, from what I hear on the internet. <laughs> Um, so this next letter go is titled Why Dance Size? Yeah, Hi. Why is that? Hi Floppos. I don't like that name. No, don't not a fan. <laughs> I figured it out. It makes it sound like we're I don't know, Greek or something. <laughs> I know why. Oh, that's your problem with it? <laughs> I thought it sounded sound like we're clowns, but you know. I figured it out. I know why dance size. It's because Dan hopes for the best. Dan is brimming with optimism. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Maybe this will be the episode when I can get through a whole thought uninterrupted. This is nope. finally going to be a movie I kind of like. Today is going to be a good pronunciation day. <laughs> and then reality sets in and wallops Dan with a fistful of sad, forcing a sigh from deep within him. I came to this realization when I listened to episode 155, followed by episode 50. I skip around. They both begin with Dan, excited by his persistence in podcasting, 50. 
and Life 155, <laughs> hoping for presents from his BPF's Best Peaches Forever. And he's greeted both times and three years apart with their word-for-word word same joke and no gifts. <laughs> I've attached the audio cut from 51st and 155 seconds, so you can see what I mean. I don't, 50 I can't. Shades of Dan. Audio. So sigh on, you beautiful starry-eyed podcaster. And never let reality rip away that wonderful optimism of yours. <laughs> optimism. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, middle name withheld, Cadle. Now, I would mention that Dan never goes into the movie saying, hey, this is one we might kind of like, because if that's a possibility, we don't get to watch it. Dan, like the cruel mistress I'm a cruel he is. Taskmaster. Task cool. Yeah. Taskmaster. <laughs> cruel taskmaster. I'm a cruel taskmaster. I'm a skeleton face that does your taxes. <laughs> skeleton face. So, uh, what, what I love is like watching Dan it. read letters, occasionally spitting into his Jonathan Frakes beard. Shut up. <laughs> I was going to say, now I imagine a, a, the Crypt Keeper is going to write in and say he does not appreciate, appreciate us making fun of his voice and putting on skeleton face and doing these offensive ghoul routines. Sure. What I like is that you mispronounced uh, appreciate and neither of us fucked with you. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that too. Whereas I love this letter because of the truth, the truth that it carries. I am optimistic. Yeah, And yeah, that's yeah. the problem. Yeah, Optimistic Prime. That's, <laughs> that's your name. That's the blob. I'm like fucking Charlie Brown with the football. <laughs> You like fucking Charlie Brown? <laughs> With a football? <laughs> this is, save it for your deviant art page, dude. <laughs> sure. All right. How many more letters we got? We got one more. And let's, it goes like let's, this. Let's crack this one out. Let's crack says, some cans. <laughs> Dan, it's, it's, Light the tires and kick the fires. It's titled, Dan read this letter. Light some tires, it's, light them on fire. Oh God. It's titled, Dan read this letter. Scourge the Shire. <laughs> no. It's titled. Let's scour the Shire. Dan, this is a different thing. Read this letter. It has a butt in it. Dear Peaches. <laughs> Dan, you these letters really got to the heart of you. You're an optimist who loves butts. <laughs> Quite some time listener, first time writer. A friend of mine recommended you in the Flophouse to me when I was still listening to other bad movie podcasts. I was quickly converted and finished your entire back catalog. You can add me to the large number of people who've already written in and said you helped them get through a difficult time. Well, I'm glad we could do that. This last year was not pleasant. Mean, and just to say, honestly... It means a lot to us when people say that, and we hope that we've... Yeah. This is not what we're setting out to do. In fact, we're setting out to hurt people. But mm-hmm. if we could help anyone, then that just by being goofy, then we're, we're, it's very touched. We're, it, very touching to us that we've been able to do that. Uh, you might think about registering the podcast as an officially recognized antidepressant and start a medical revolution. We can't keep the run, wondrous reviving powers of the Flophouse a secret forever. But I also have a question for all three of you. Obviously, the listeners know all about your taste in movies, mm-hmm. and we've heard of your favorite comics, historical figures, beers, and dinosaurs. <laughs> Elliot wow. is totally right. You got you to gotta pronounce this for me. Dinonychus. Dinonychus all the way. Dionysus? No, no, Dionysus is not my favorite Greek god by far. But there have only oh, been... Is Dionysus? The, that's the Greek name. Not, the Roman name is Bacchus, right? Yeah. Not the other way around? Yeah. I could be wrong. Uh, but there have only been a few hints about your respective tastes in music. Elliot seems to know a lot about metal, while Dan is more of an indie lister. Stuart, Stuart knows more about metal than me. I don't know. Does Invisible Maniac have an original soundtrack? It does. It's also, yeah. <laughs> so my question... Big what, trouble. No. Invisible Maniac. <laughs> my question... I wish that was the, song, the theme song for every movie. Big trouble. Big trouble. In terms of endearment. <laughs> 
Big trouble. In Mary Poppins. In Ordinary People. <laughs> the Imitation Game. Run. Run into the mystic Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> so I mean, These are all appropriate. So my question, what is your favorite style of music? What's a movie without big trouble? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let me just get through the end of this fucking Nothing thing. but trouble. Because we are running long. This is a very long episode. So just let me finish the email. Hurry so up, my man. question, what is your favorite style of music or your favorite artists or favorite albums? I'd be much obliged if you give me an answer, maybe even on air. I'm sure flop fans would like to know as well. And... Uh, P.S. I promised a butt. This is from Christian Last Name Withheld. P.S. I promised a butt, mainly to increase my chances of Dan reading this, but I don't want to disappoint Pervazoid number one. So there you go. And there's an Ashchi butt. So it's uh, made out of what? It's punctu- made out of punctuation. So you got. Uh, How is it? You got a Y. Is that how it's pronounced? Ashy? Ashy? I don't know. Uh, ashy? It's very ashy. You know. As 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 punctuation so, based you know, it's butts like a, go, yeah, it's, it's a not flat a bad part. one. It's yeah, a, it's got a Leisure Suit Larry feel to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a Tiffany Shepard's pumpkin butt, but it's okay. <laughs> it's been a long time since that came up. So uh, the question, though, <laughs> Winky was... Winky emoticon. <laughs> what music do we like? Um, you know, our top bands or top albums? Yeah, yours is Talking Heads or something, right? Shut the fuck up. Wait, but let I me mean, do okay, my thing, and why don't you do I'll, your thing? Uh, uh, <laughs> How about I'll, that? I'll go okay. real quick. You jackass. How about I go real quick first to detensify yeah. the situation? I am a big fan of metal. I used to listen to a lot of punk when I was younger, but I haven't listened to so much of that lately. Uh, but lately, because I've been trying, I've been putting it on while I feed my son lunch or breakfast or what have you or dinner. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to a lot of classical music, and like re- Raffi. Uh, no, <laughs> and rediscovering my love of you know Tchaikovsky and so forth. But I'll say my favorite album is still Unleashed in the East, the kind of live Judas Priest album, which much of it was done in the studio after the fact, including I think all of the vocals, but. It's a really good album yeah. if you want to hear faster, harder versions of a lot of Judas Priest's older songs. Uh, I'll say if you if you want to boil me down to a, a genre, I like um, big butts. I cannot lie. Uh, <laughs> you're no, under I like all butt butt, I like all butts. <laughs> I cannot lie. Um, I like new wave, like punk new wave. I my favorite like five bands if I had to run them down would probably be the Beatles. Talking Heads, The Clash, The Replacements, and Nico Case. Those are my favorites. Stu, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, I'm a big metalhead. Uh, I listen to a lot. Like I don't the know. Robot Turtle, the same name. <laughs> yep. We both, me and Metalhead the Turtle, both like uh, <laughs> Iron Maiden, King Diamond, uh, like mid, mid-range Carcass, uh, 90s Death Metal. So, You're making these names up, yep. by the way. Napalm Death. You just went uh, to see Napalm Death recently. Yeah, right? I saw Napalm Death recently. They're still great. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's still out there napalming people. <laughs> All death. of it. <laughs> All of them. Yeah, I mean, if you get napalm, do you expect to be dead afterwards? Uh, yeah, any, uh, all that kind of stuff. I think a lot of, and also I should mention also something that gets left out a lot of time when people think about me, is that I'm a big classic country fan, particularly mm-hmm. Loretta Lynn is my favorite of all time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think if Loretta, if Loretta Lynn and Rob Halford ever made an album together, I am online for that album. <laughs> sure. I'm waiting online Wanda, for da- it. Wanda Jackson and Glenn Danzig. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I hope that... If that Tammy Wynette and, uh, and basically all Metallica put something together. <laughs> wow. <laughs> if they could work with, like, the, the London Symphony. <laughs> Not really. 
I, I, it's, I think, I feel like we've got like this, like weird, like also like Venn diagram though of the Flophouse, and that like you and I, Elliot, share like certain like punk and new wave uh-huh. stuff, and Stuart, you and Elliot share like metal stuff together. Sure, yeah. yeah. And uh, no one shares I, my love of Duke and Ellington. You, and uh, Stuart, you and I share what? Like uh, we a love of butts. Who's Johnny? By all the bars, yeah, but I think I think we both. I mean, we certainly love that man in motion. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, like cheesy '80s stuff. No, oh, clearly, yeah, your yeah, love yeah. of Tone Loke is uh, yeah. is what connects you. So, uh, yeah, I hope that answers your question. But uh, now, the final and saddest well, you know, the segment do? on the, the final segment. <laughs> My dad's favorite driving song. <laughs> really? For years when I was a kid, he had Europe's album that had Final Countdown on it. He would play just that one song from the album yeah, when we were going on like a driving trip somewhere. Yeah, what else is on that album? I don't know. He, he would stop it, rewind the tape, and then take the tape out. My, my dad would always play a shitload of Bob Seger, <laughs> and my mom would play the Rocky Horror Picture Show, sound, uh, Picture huh. Show soundtrack until I started singing along to it, and then she's like, my son should, probably shouldn't be singing this. Uh, see, my parents just play a lot of a lot of Billy Joel, a lot of Beatles, and a lot of Billy Joel. Yeah, but I grew up in the tri-state area, so what are you gonna do? Uh, this is the segment where we recommend movies that we actually liked, unlike whatever the fuck we watched tonight. It was I, called Dorothy's Dorothy's Rise Legends of Dorothy. Of... Oz. It's a legend. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Doctor Oz. <laughs> Dorothy's Revenge. The original Kings of Oz. Dorothy style. Uh, uh, Stu, what do you want to recommend? Dorothy does Oz. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that is a remake of a movie that Dan recommended uh, a while ago. I don't remember. Um, I'm going to recommend the movie Sorcerer, directed by William Friedkin. That's a remake of the French movie Wages of Fear. Correct. Um, so what Dan said applies to Sorcerer. <laughs> Only way more because it's in color. Yeah. Mm. it's about Plus a Tangerine Dream soundtrack. It's... It's about four guys who are desperate men who <laughs> need to lose their reasons. virginity <laughs> in <laughs> Tijuana. We're just, but their penises will explode. <laughs> uh, and they, it's it's pretty great. They all end up in uh, in a South American country that I don't remember, and they're tasked with they volunteer for a mission driving trucks through the jungle, transporting uh, dynamite nit- nitroglycerin. And it's super tense and super great. And there's this, there's a couple moments where there's like you're just watching a truck trying to uh, to go over this shitty, shoddy wooden bridge. And I'm watching this in the theater, and I'm like, no modern movie would do this. <laughs> like no modern movie, the like the climax would be watching a truck try to make it over a bridge. <laughs> and in a way it was great. Cause it was so, it was still super fucking tense. So sorcerer, William Friedkin with Roy, uh, Schneider. It's Roy, Roy Schneider. Rob Schneider's Schneider. dad. Roy, Roy Schneider. Schneider. Yeah. Um, and the uh, elder Bigelow. Roy and I think, Schneider. I think Francisco Rabal or Rabal, who's from, um, one of my favorite directors in the universe, Stuart Gordon's movie, Dagon, oh. who gets his skin totally ripped off in that movie, <laughs> but not in final Sorcerer. final appearance. No, he doesn't get his skin ripped off in Sorcerer. But go watch Dagon too, because he gets his skin ripped off. Um, I want to recommend a movie that I'm kind of surprised I'm recommending. Uh, it's called Legends of Oz: Dorothy's <laughs> Return. No, I 
we, you know, uh, as members of the Writers Guild, we get a lot of screeners, and I'm like, ah, whatever. This movie I want to see. This movie I don't actually want to see. Like, uh, check out Bragg's McGee over no, here. No, no, I'm yeah. just saying, Billy like, Bragg's. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, I like we have the opportunity to watch movies. Yeah, that, check out Bragley Cooper. Oh, God, oh man, <laughs> like we wouldn't necessarily watch these movies, like, but uh, recently I watched Wild. The Reese Witherspoon movie Wild about Art. no, not <laughs> Laura, with Reese Witherspoon, not the Laura Dern movie. <laughs> David Lynch, although Laura Dern actually is in Wild too. Weird, but um, no, I I'm not necessarily like usually a fan of like kind of like the Vision Quest school of movies. Like, what about Vision Quest? <laughs> I've never seen it. What about Dreamscape? Uh, but like these movies were like. There's been something that happened in someone's life, and they're going to fix it by going on, like, a big trip. Your eats, prays, loves, or your into the wilds is... But uh, there's something about wild that I, I mean, really... I think those are probably pretty different movies. <laughs> but they're, but they're like, the... Certainly sim- the endings are different. They are different <laughs> movies. They both involve eating. They're both they're different <laughs> movies, but they're similar in that, like, there's some sort of, like, personal upheaval that, this per- that like, the main character feels like they're going to solve... By going on like a trip, on a journey, on a quest, yeah, sure. and on uh, a vision so, quest, if you will, like a Lord of the Rings, and wild somehow, <laughs> I feel like, so uh, like sidesteps a lot of those problems by like not insisting on it that much. Like it's a very low key movie. Like okay. low key is in it. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, it, but, like it really like it's it's staggering how much the talk there is. in it. How much talk there is when I recommend a movie versus either of you two. But no, like, it's... What about Wotan? Oh, boy, God. No, but I agree, Dan. I saw Wild also, and I thought it it avoided a lot of pitfalls of that type of movie. Partly because... It just doesn't make... It does not insist upon itself. Like, it's just like this woman goes on this trip, and, like, there are minor epiphanies, and... You know, like you just live with her on it, and it's not a big deal. She of. has truly reached rock bottom in her yeah. life in a way that justifies a dramatic break uh, in the person she was and the person she will be. But also, yeah, it's not a movie that is trying to get you to wish you were on the trip with that person, right? Which a lot of those are, where the, the, you are supposed to be living vicariously through this person's experiences. This is your you're with this person on their trip, but you're never supposed to be like. Oh, if only I could be there doing right. that. Right, and you're also like you're you're sympathetic with her because like you're a human being who has empathy for other human beings, but you're not. But the movie does not insist that you're like supposed to like believe in this woman as like some sort of paragon of anything. She's not like, a saint. Yeah, you're like she's a fucked up lady who like is doing this thing to like help herself, and it's interesting to watch that happen. And you know? she and what she goes through is truly arduous. And not yeah. to undercut your recommendation, but why do you think that the majority of uh, like critical reception kind of pass it by? Like, why do you think? Uh, I yeah, I don't and it know. Got very good reviews. It got good reviews. I just think that like for whatever reason, the promotion, like the advertising okay. for it, just failed it. Like, and uh, I think I honestly don't remember seeing any ads for it. Yeah, I did not see it. I Nick Nick Hornby. Uh, did the adaptation for it. Yeah, uh, he wrote the script. And uh, I think that... Which is why Hugh Grant is in it. <laughs> yeah. But I think, <laughs> that, I, I think that that probably helped it, though, because like, I feel like it has a certain like low-key like charm and wit that a lot of these types of movies don't have. Uh, so... 
There's not even much, even if you think it's not the kind of movie for you, I think that you might enjoy it. Well, yeah, it's worth watching. What I'm going to recommend a different movie about people on the run from their past and mm-hmm. on an arduous quest, and that's a movie that. It's a pretty goofy movie, but not as goofy. Is it the goofy movie? It's called the goofy movie. A, a goofy movie, uh, which is I, which is the movie Logan's Run. Now, uh, when I was <laughs> when I was a kid, I saw Logan's Run, and I think I saw that's Dave Foley's character in News Radio's favorite movie. Yeah, right? well, I mean, it's not my favorite movie, but when I was a kid, I saw it, and I must have seen like an edited for TV version of it, and thought that that was it. And I watched it again recently. And, and it's you're still, like, Jimmy Agutter is totally new ball. <laughs> well, that's part of it. But uh, And it's way more appropriate for me to like that than it was in Walkabout when she was 16. But uh, there's something about it that se- it is very goofy. It's a goofy movie, partly be- mainly because of the 70s fashions. But at the same time... <laughs> is the goofy movie? <laughs> but at the same time, there's a lot of stuff in it that is genuinely troubling. And there are a lot of scenes in it that, as an adult, I found much more effective and disturbing than when i was a kid yeah because you're over 30 now well maybe that's part of it but there's silly stuff in it but like there's the like scene <laughs> but is there goofy stuff in but it, it? there's something that i found it interesting to watch it as like this weird last gasp of a certain type of science fiction movie because the special effects in it are not very good yeah and but this is one year before star wars came out and so it's like watching this movie and putting myself in the mindset of someone who this is as good as science fiction is going to get as far as I'm concerned as a science fiction fan in 1976. It's a silly movie, but it's trying to deal with some kind of ideas about society. There's some scenes in it that are genuinely either disturbing or frightening or exciting, but it still looks kind of crappy. And not knowing that just around the corner is this movie that is not in any way disturbing. It's just a great adventure movie, but looks a lot better. But looking at it through the lens of science fiction of 1976, I actually enjoyed it a lot. There's a lot of stuff in it that goes on too long. There's stuff in it that's silly, that doesn't make sense. They're, the acting in it is not the best. Like, there's a lot of things. It's kind of like Westworld. Kind of. I mean, which is a movie I love. But, like, it's a movie that is very much of its time, but is, I found, I found really enjoyable to watch. No, I, I, I agree in that, like, I feel like there's something really charming about watching a science fiction movie that is as much about the time it was made in yeah. as the time it purports to be about. Well, like, this is... this is. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel that way when I read, like, older science fiction, too. Yeah, I read a lot of, like, 50s and 60s science fiction. Like, and Star's like, My Destination and stuff. Exactly, and it's like the, uh, well, yeah, Bester stuff, especially. And it's, like, about the things that were going on then. So, like, Logan's Run as a movie by, made by an a- aging studio executives about their fears that the world is too obsessed with youth is an interesting thing. Like I kept thinking like all the stars are young in this, but the people who made the movie were not young. I assume they're all like old pros. And like, what was it like to make this movie about a world where everybody is under 30 and no one can live longer than that? Like people were worried that they were getting, maybe that this youth culture was going to drive them out. Like there's a lot of, it's like that just in time movie we watched. uh, (laughs) Not exactly. (laughs) Hamburger steak. Etc. But like, once worried you get, about how those beetle boots are gonna like ruin everyone's lives. And all the min, mini skirts. Yeah. Once you can get past the truly horrendous special effects in the explosion scenes, where they're literally just optical processed explosion <laughs> fireworks on top of the shots, then uh, there's a lot of neat stuff in it. But yeah, it's a silly movie. You got to watch it half with half laughing. Um, it's got a rainbow on the poster. Yeah. One foot on one foot on the beach, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. 
And keep reaching for the stars. <laughs> so somehow this has become the longest episode ever. Well, you know, when you're... If when you you're made it this far, you med- get a merit badge. You had gold like... Oz, the legend of Oz continues to return. The legend of Curly's gold. <laughs> They're not all going to be like this, Baby, people. the last Oz dinosaur. <laughs> um, yeah, why? How did it get so long, I Dan? don't know. Uh, magic? <laughs> That's probably it, yeah. Oz magic? The gathering. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Somebody tapped a shitload of land cards. <laughs> Some fan tapped a bunch of forest mana, and suddenly the, we found the power to do a long episode. Uh, so we should sign off. But for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, I've been Stuart Wellington. The next episode, Elliot Kalen promises, will be shorter. Good night, everyone. Slamming salmon. Has anyone ever seen that movie? <laughs> like, I mean, in the history of the world. Okay. Uh, like, did that... Maybe Elliot. That, no, no. Uh, Slam and Salmon. Did you're, that make any dollars? Was that, you're big... Yeah, people... Re- there's some people I'm not really saying like that, that like... I'm not saying Broken that... Lizard look, fans. I'm not saying that Broken Lizard hasn't done some fine work. I'm saying, has anyone seen the Slam and Salmon? <laughs> Somebody has seen it. I'm mean, sure the editor, when he was working on it, saw it. Sure. Whoever did the color I mean, correction. Uh, no, they had to pluck his eyes out first. Like, uh, Jay Chandraskar has become a very great uh, television um, comedy director. I'm not I'm not casting aspersion. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just, I don't believe that anyone has seen t- Slam and I was, ta- I was talking to a woman who <laughs> Seems like was. Seems a weird, this is a weird <laughs> conspiracy for you to try to unlock. Weird, yeah, it's I a mean, weird place for me to like dig in, you think? Like a weird place for me to plant my flag? Yeah, this is your hill to die on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where an armies of broken lizard devotees come and try and take the hill from you. Again, I was not talking, saying like talented guys, not saying anything against I was them. talking to a woman who was an extra on Beer Fest. Uh-huh. And she was complaining that she didn't know what was worse, either the constant pressure to have her take her top off in the scenes or the fact that she had to sit around drinking lukewarm, non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> Wait, uh, so what was the problem? Uh, the sla- to, the if salmon those, wasn't if, slamming. If enough. those things were not the problem. Wait, saying those were the problem? Those, those were, were the problem. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And she was complaining about uh, how the slamming salmon doesn't exist, and nobody's ever what? seen it. Yeah, it's weird, right? What What is the slamming salmon? It's a salmon that's slamming. <laughs> What's not to understand about that? Is it like I mean, it's in the title? Is it like you go to a restaurant and you're like, please try the salmon? It's slamming. <laughs> it's slamming. Uh, I have a question, Dan. Did we watch the movie Slamming Salmon today? Because why are we talking about it? Because it's stuck in my head. It's one of those. It's one of those movies that I've never seen and never will see. But the title will stay in my head forever. Okay. Like uh, like those magnificent men and their flying machines. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, that. What was that fucking uh, Bingo Long's traveling all stars or something <laughs> like that? Like... Hi everybody. I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Travis McElroy. I'm Griffin McElroy, and we host the first podcast ever made. My brother, my brother, and me. Every Monday, we put out the first ever advice comedy podcast ever. They found our podcast on Dead Sea Scrolls. We're the Hammurabi Code of podcasts, and we're ready to entertain you with jokes that we invented the first jokes. So join us every Monday on MaximumFun.org. You'll never crack our code, Dan Brown. Just try me. It's history in the making. And in the faking. And it's all yours for the taking.